Oh no, you're the host. Lee and Max, yours truly. <laughs> well, I was trying to do an intro, man. Come on, you kind of messed it all up. <laughs> uh, I am the host of this Do You Believe podcast. Max is simply the co-host, but I have allowed him to take the reins on this topic. Max, take it away. Okay. All right. Well, today, folks, we got an interesting one. Um, I thought it'd be kind of interesting to discuss a little bit of a, an old book written in the 1800s, I think like mid-1800s, and uh, by a, a fella named Karl Marx. Um, Karl? Karl. So we're going to talk about Karl Marx and the Communist Manifesto. It's just, honestly, it's a small little book. It's about, I would say, I think 48. It's under, it's under 50 pages. It's pretty interesting how small it is. And um, you know, from what I understand is, you know, Marx kind of wrote this in a few different places and there was like some group of all these, you know, gentlemen that wanted to like kind of write a new political system. Um, they wanted Marx's advice. He didn't always show up to like their meetings and stuff. And so they said, okay, well, dude, you got to submit something to us, like show us that you're part of the group kind of thing, I, I think. And so Basically, he was like writing scripts of what's now known as the Communist Manifesto and sending it to other people in the party. Um, and basically, it's just, it just his thoughts on communism, I guess, his sort of like vision of it, how it would come about, and to some extent, the action that should be taken um, to uh, make this, you know, sort of ideology come to fruition. So. Communist Manifesto, written by Karl Marx. Let's get into it. Um, you know, communism and communists, I think, tends to hold like a very negative vision. Uh, like, it puts a bad taste in people's mouth uh, as far as like the Western cultures go, especially. Although there there are like polls that say people are like becoming more kind of like keen to the idea of it, or you know, more of like ideology in this realm. So, um, and a lot of times, you know. People will use, I guess, socialism and communism interchangeably, which if you were to ask Marx, I don't think he really, and, and listeners, if I'm wrong on this, like, let me know, but I don't think he liked the word socialism. It's it's, it's weird because he kind of, he, he gets into it a little bit, but like not really. He kind of says like, they're sort of this, I don't know. It's confusing. I don't really know if socialism and communism are the same thing. To my understanding, they are separate. Like, communism is more for like everyone um to working towards like a common goal and like everything is put in place to like help the people that are working and um the people that are working is supposed to kind of like be everyone so and then so there's that and then the difference between that and like socialism to my understanding is that socialism is more command and control i guess like there's an like a group behind closed doors and they kind of have their own interests and then they like use labor and leverage labor to get their mean like this group's means like accomplished. So I think that's 
the difference? I'm not so sure, but I'm really gonna just talk about communism, like is what this book is is kind of talking about. So obviously it's called the Communist Manifesto. So anything I'm talking about is more or less gonna be in lines from that book and like along the lines of like defining communism, not so much socialism. Anyways, um, so he wrote, he wrote this book. It was uh, I think it's important to know it was in light of the Enlightenment and uh, the Industrial Revolution. Um, it was, I don't know, maybe like, like it was, I think it was less than a hundred years in, in between, but you know, it was like when the, the revolution, like the industrial revolution and industrialization was like really taking off and like just booming. Okay. So he kind of wrote this in light of that. And he saw all these like things coming from this new capitalist, like, uh, I- idea of like, you know, world order. And he sort of talked about his thoughts of it and like what it was doing to the world and then he um so 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 that's kind of like the background i don't want to get too much into all that because i'm not ready to talk about all that but it's basically in light of industrial revolution and the enlightenment so time of science time of you know creating like new machinery uh it was a time of output um like trying to get as much you know bang for your buck and profit off of it um, and this was really like, you know, what enlightenment and rev- the revolution, the industrial revolution had done was kind of made like it antiquated all, uh, pre-existing methods of like moving, um, material, moving products, inventing, because during the time of revolution and, uh, this re- industrial revolution and enlightenment, you know, now boats were a lot more sophisticated. Mercantilism even was like, was sort of anti antiquated and like old school, um, but it, it's just important to know, like, it's all on a timeline. It's not like communism, like communism or socialism or capitalism just like became a thing one day. It didn't just sprout up out of the ground. Like it developed into that. I mean, I think that's just kind of like important to keep in mind. But, um, anyway, so, so, you know, trade was just moving faster. Companies were starting to just be able to output way more than before, which created time for, I guess, you know, cause you could say like luxury and, and, um, you know, time to think, whatever, instead of labor. But, um, you know, uh, and, and before, you know, machinery was very, like, getting sophisticated and being allowed as, like, an extension of a, of a laborer, it, it, before all that, like, before Industrial Revolution and Enlightenment, it was sort of more like craftsmanship and, like, um, craftsmanship and sort of, like, guilds, you could say, which eventually evolved into sort of, like, you could, are, they evolved into, like, labor unions, which you don't see much anymore, uh, unfortunately. So like, you know, it kind of, it's, it's all on a timeline and there's all these moving pieces. So there's like a lot to consider for sure. But, um, you know, this book basically kind of like tries to simplify what, what Karl's Marx like idea of like the world, the world's, the state of the world was in and like where he thought it would go and what he wanted it to be. Okay. Um, so anyways, so what he was seeing was basically he was seeing like the the deconstruction of like a of like kind of like a feudal system in a way where it was mostly like um, the people who were rich and who were on top were like landowners because they were having people you know till their land and pay rent to till that land and in in return they were able to eat and like maybe have like housing okay so there's always been class problems there's always you know. There's going to be, there's classes of all sorts, but what, um, what, what Marx talks about in the communist manifesto is that capitalism 
what it's basically done is create it's it's simplified like class antagonisms is what he says on the first page um and these class antagonisms basically uh become the bourgeoisie and uh the proletarians so um you know you might hear like a lot of times like people are like oh that's bougie and whatnot like it's kind of like <clears throat> i feel like it's more like the hip-hop kind of like side of stuff it's like oh like bougie and like it's kind of like you know it's like glamour and all this stuff it's, it's like cool you know but like really like the, the i mean where that derives from is like it's not a good it's not really a good thing if you understand what bourgeois means i feel like um and so like you know Karl marx talks about how like throughout <clears throat> this whole evolution of like how products are invented and moved around like throughout this whole time that it's it's constantly evolving he says like the way it evolves basically is through like class existence and like and uh class um like you know class animosity between classes so he says like the modern bourgeois society that has sprout like sprouted from the ruins of feudal society has not done away with class antagonisms he says it has but established new classes, new conditions of oppression, new forms of struggle in place of the old ones. So what he was seeing like happen before his eyes was like, you know, guilds were dying out, craftsmanship like and passing down like a trade between, you know, in a small group of people and like taking pride in that work because it was so specialized and like, <clears throat> you know, like you did, you saw the whole process through. He was seeing like that sort of trade like disappear. And what he argues is like it's it's like very demoralizing, and it's bad for people for the the laborer essentially is what he's saying, and that's the proletariat. So like he's saying, you know, through the bourgeoisie's like emergence, they just turned humans into um, like another division of production, and basically like established workers like you and I as. Um, like another another thing to put on the books and like keep track of right and so he, like Mar marx kind of talks about how like it's like demoralized people like this new um capitalist way it's like debased humanity in a sense and what he talks about is like the whole reason that the bourgeois needed to create the labor like force and like the labor division um is so that they could like be utilized um, to like essentially um, increase the bourgeoisie's like profit and output for their own for their own selves. So like, you know, I mean, it, it might not. It's like doesn't sound like a novel idea really today. But like, if you think about it from Marx's point of view, like he was seeing people probably just like the whole like humankind was changing. Like what they what their like drive was was changing. You know, people didn't want, like have a drive to learn how to build something anymore. They just had a drive for profit and like. And so, like, he was saying, he, he kind of argues how, like, that, that sort of mentality that sounds very, like, everyday to me and you, it's like, well, I want to go buy more stuff. Like, that's why I need my job, and that's why I need to make money. He's, he's saying that, like, that was not really a thing before. Like, it's essentially, like, that desire to want more products, like, the bourgeoisie needed that created so that they had, um, so that they had, like, a reason to create the labor force. Which again, the labor force was created just to like increase their profit and output. I, so, so essentially, they're saying like, "Hey, we need the capitalist." And, and so, like the bourgeois, just like I, maybe I didn't clarify this. The bourgeois, like he said, you know, landlords became bourgeois, but he was also saying like some of, there were like things known as petty bourgeois. So again, you know, during this whole timeline of infrastructure changing and who's got power and money, 
it went, it used to be landlords because they had, it was like surf and feudalism and like they needed just crops to eat, feed themselves. And so like it was landlords that owned the land and then they had people that would like basically oversee the land. He's saying like even those people like started to become proletariats, whereas some of them also did probably become bourgeoisie because again, bourgeoisie is just the ownership of capital and like means of production. It's like who owns the actual means of production. So like landlords even like who weren't prepared for that change of like mindset, like some of them even started getting pushed to lower classes. And like um, the capitalists and bourgeois really like took over the whole realm of like superiority and they antiquated like anyone else who was on top. So in doing so, they needed like a market of like uh, to pick from that could create like the products to justify themselves as capitalists and like how they're advancing the world. So they like created laborers and they said, hey, we need you to create stuff for us so that we can basically like buy other stuff from other countries and then like you can have some of that. And like the workers, that's kind of a way to entice like a worker. You know, how do you make someone who never even heard of the concept of labor, how do you make them want to be a laborer essentially instead of just going out and farming and making food to feed themselves well you have to say like there's all this product out there that like will help you live a better life and like make you happier <clears throat> like the only way you can get that is though is if you work and then like we'll give you like a pittance of like what our profit is and then and then like you'll have just enough to where you can like buy stuff to help you and make you happy and like justify the labor does that does that make sense so far? Am I like making yeah, any sense? Yeah, and I can throw in a little comment here because um, we'll cover it eventually. I'm it's a freaking long book, but I'm trying to summarize stuff in the Wealth of Nations, which is just like Adam Smith kind of describing how certain nations got wealthy. And yeah, right now you're talking about how do you convince somebody that they need uh, to to essentially sell their labor is what. Um, Adams was mentioning and something that I was or uh, Smith was talking about it's something that yeah it's you basically people did used to just kind of fend for themselves grow their own food kind of do their own thing um, and at some point it became I don't know where the idea came from um, how this was I don't know if it just came about in people's minds in general but it was hey I can sell my labor um, doing something I'm good at so that I have enough to buy other people's labor to do things that I don't feel like doing is essentially kind of the the mindset that grew into this concept of instead of doing everything for yourself, starting to <laughs> sell your labor, essentially. Exactly. So, so really, what <clears throat> what the Communist Manifesto is doing is it's like prescribing what like what is going to happen, be, like due to that new mentality. That's the way I was reading it, at least. So he like he I don't know if prescribe is the right word, but he's like prescribing like results of a capitalist society. This whole paradigm shift. Like he's saying this is prob like this is what's going to happen. And so like let's let's get into some of that. So, um, and and, and let me just note like yeah to your point, he says like. And this is a quote from from his book. He says, "We see fair, we see therefore how the modern bourgeois in, uh, is itself the product of a long course of development of a series of revolutions in the modes of production and of exchange." So it is like that that want of having like more, you know, like people want more, like because it like kind of like makes their day easier and life better. Um, 
but he said like in in like creating a labor force to like make this kind of like exchange happen like this mass exchange of goods happen he says that like capitalism what it's done like it has resolved personal worth into exchange value and in place of the numberless uh numberless indefeasible chartered freedoms has set up that uh that single unconscionable freedom free trade so like it's it, he's, he's essentially saying like this new paradigm is like people aren't worth like what the worth of a person is like changing. It's not like, oh, look what I can create, look how much food I can make for this village, like, and like feed us and like keep us like happy in that way and like the bare necessities. He's essentially saying like, it's like put us down to like an exchange value of like how much can we get from this person for like how much they put in. And it's, I guess it's more or less kind of saying the same thing as like if you were to till a field and like grow crops for the village, but it's like on a more like, I guess materialistic way, like way is what he's saying. But like in all of this, like what he's seen come to fruition and what this whole thing boils down to is a, a clash between the bourgeoisie and the proletariat. So the owners of like the means of production and the people that are harnessing that means of production to actually create things. Because at the end of the day, they're the ones who are actually like making it happen. It's not the, you know, the bourgeoisie is like supplying stuff to make it happen but the laborers are the ones who are doing all the work and they're the ones who are making things happen like abiding by rules and all these rules that they're abiding by are like set up from a capitalist bourgeoisie mindset if that makes sense so like at the end of the day like the workers are not getting like a lot of pay like you know he's saying he's saying like you know bourgeois is like basically justifying all of this by giving them like just enough to get by is what he's kind of like says it was like i'm paraphrasing but he says like they're getting like just enough to get by and then you know people would say like um you know like well doesn't like the wage labor create any property like like for itself or like and what he says is like no it doesn't it creates like capital which like exploits wage labor and then you know like creates the need for new markets and then allows just even more exploitation of laborers to create those new things in those new markets. So while this is all happening, he's basically seeing that like, you know, like the, the laborers losing their power is what he is, what he's saying. Like, and that's kind of like the whole thesis of this thing is that like the laborer is like constantly being pushed like more and more, and he's saying like he, he what's what I thought was super interesting is that there's a part where he talks about like capitalism like creating more like crises and it's like the crises are worse and worse every time or not capitalism but like well yeah I mean that is essentially what he's saying he's saying it's like it'll create a crises and then like each time there's a new create crises like it's worse than the one before and honestly like if you look at today dude like in 2020. It's been like one of the like the worst crises that anyone's known, and like this is coming from like you know after two thousand eight. So it's like that was a really bad one, but now this one's even crazier. Like you got like millions of people getting evicted this month. You got people losing their jobs and like their healthcare in the same manner, and like and so kind of what he was saying is like it, it seems accurate from that point of view. Like he's saying like capitalism is like creating more and more crises, and like there's a lot of reasons for these crises. Like one of them he talks about how like capitalism has like it's like it creates its own like it kind of like consumes itself in a way so he's saying like once they reach out like once a capitalist reaches all corners of the market they need to create a new market or they have to like invent something else that need that has a need and so like 
you know, I'm not saying like from, you know, there's people in the background that are like, okay, we need to crash the housing like market in 2008 because like everyone is owning a home. Like we don't want that. But like, and it's, I mean, <clears throat> you know, who knows, I guess, but whether it's like intentional or not, it's, it's happening all the time. And, you know, like capitalism will point to communism and say, well, like, you know, Russia starved their people under communism. It's like, dude, like the history of like what led to that starvation is like, uh, it's it's very it's a lot it's not that simple <laughs> it's like very complicated and i don't know and then and you could argue like i've even heard arguments that like a, a true an actual communist like a, an actual communist state has never existed um but but like the, what what marx talks about is like while this is all happening under like this new vision of like the world under under i.e like capitalism he's saying like you know laborers are constantly getting pushed farther and farther away from like like owning capital and, and like having their own stuff and it's like being it's constantly demoralized and more and more people are getting pushed into the pro proletariat class while there's like only a few bourgeois that reside and he's saying that like eventually <clears throat> this is probably going to bubble up the laborers are going to start like breaking stuff they're going to start like demanding like means of their own production in a way and like they're going to want to take ownership back essentially and then the whole, like, the part that is very, like, not hippy-dippy, but, like, it's kind of hippy-dippy, and it's, like, it's obviously never come to fruition, is, like, in once they take over, then, like, that takeover is going to lead to the labor class, like, ruling and, like, using capital just to, like, uh, meet their own needs. I feel like the idea is, like, just enough to suffice. Like, is what, like, it's, it's like, kind of, like, roll back, like, capitalism. We don't even want to, like, live on that complicated of a, like, schema. We just want to see, um, you know, our needs being met as a laborer, okay? And, he, and he's, like, saying that, like, through capitalism, like, they've gotten farther away from being able to do that. <clears throat> and, like, people will say, well, in capitalism, like, you can own your own house, you can own your own property. It's like, uh, I mean, there's eminent domain, like, for starters, and... and and on top of that, like how many people actually own their house? Like they're probably paying loans on it. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's like, is there actually ownership? Like, are you actually getting that stuff? Like, yeah, you're sitting there and like, that's your house, but you lose your job. Like, and you foreclose on your house, like that's gone. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like, he's saying like, there's all these problems that come with capitalism. And then like, it's painted as like, it's, it's good for the labor because now you get all this stuff, but it's like, yeah, you're only giving us enough to just like, just get by. And like, even then you could argue it's not enough to get by. Again, because we're not owning our own property. We're not actually living in a house. So like coming like in our own house that we own outright most of the time. And so and like that's happening more and more. Like people are more and more like not able to pay for their own house. So that like goes to back to what he was saying, how like people who have been at the top are even getting pushed into the proletariat class. So what he's saying is like it's kind of like he's saying like there's hope. Like as more people are getting pushed into this poor like um, oppressed class, like the numbers are growing so the power is growing and like and what he's saying is that like the capitalists like the bourgeois in creating the capitalist system they've sort of in a way like he kind of like in a way praises the capitalists to be honest he says like they they have like like increased communication like speed like exp, exp uh, like expediency and like efficiency to the point where like it's and he's saying and like they've also pushed more workers into like centralized areas so they're like High, highly accumulated and they're getting poorer at the same time and they can communicate better and he's saying like because of like capitalist making it's easier for the laborer now to like uprise 
essentially, and like take over and gain control of the means of production. That's kind of like what he's saying and what he, what he, I, I don't know. He pushes for it, I guess, but he doesn't even like push that hard. It seems like, it seems like everyone talk, like who talks about it and who hates it is like, that dude was like put, like wanted like this radical stuff, blah, blah. It's like, no, he's basically explaining like what's happening. And like, and he's saying like, this is an option. Like laborers can uprise and take like the means of production back for themselves. Um, I don't know. And he even talks about how, like, in a way, kind of like back to our point of like flack in like uh, manufacturing consent, like, you know, you need flack to make people think like stuff's real. Um, and like to like show the opposition side, he kind of talks about, at least the way I was interpreting it, how like eventually aristocrats and bourgeois will like kind of like have to give stuff up in order to like still keep the illusion that capitalism is working. And so, you know, I, that you could go a million different directions with that. I'm not sure exactly how, like, you see that in today's day and age. I mean, again, I guess it is more accessible to, like, get a cell phone. But at the end of the day, like, even people pay payments on cell phones. So, like, you know, it's not really yours. Like, I don't know. <clears throat> but, you know, it, 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 so he's saying, like, in a sense, like, capitalism has created a bunch of good stuff, like, in the sense of, like, transportation, communication, um, and, and, like, goods that, like, help us daily. But what he's saying is, like, at the end of the day, like, laborers need to take take back control of, like, how that came to be and, like, almost take control of, like, jurisdiction of it in a way. But then he starts to get, where he starts to get, I think, where people start to get very, like, once they hear this stuff, they're like, ooh, I don't like that at all. And so, like, so what I'm about to get into. So then he talks about how, like, First of all, he says, like, he admits, like, it's not going to be easy. Like, for, and he says, like, and once, like, laborers take over, it's not even, it's going to be super hard to, like, have it maintained and, like, come, like, to, like, work itself out. Like, he kind of says that. And, but he says that, like, you know, <clears throat> and this is the part where I think people get really upset. He says, like, he kind of talks about how in order to make it accomplished, like, you have to eradicate all, like, um, basically like all your liberties like you, you have to get rid of rid of like liberty um and it like communism aims to like get like get rid of people's basic liberties and it, it put, sort of like i guess the idea is like it puts everyone on a, like an even playing field um and 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 like you know makes and it kind of like swades this idea that everyone's working towards one common goal like if you get rid of everyone's basic liberties then like everyone's just kind of in it together i guess is is like the idea it sounds really bad though like when you say it out loud and so um you know like he talks about like you have to get rid of basically like no religion like no like you have to have like a unified like education and like he talks about some of that stuff which is kind of creepy but then he argues like capitalism's already done that in a way and the way he talks about it is that you know he says like again we've boiled life down to exchange value so like people now live just to work they don't live for religion anyways like they don't and, and it, i mean it's i don't know it's subject i guess it's kind of subjective and it's like there's degrees of it but he's saying like you know it's not that's not even the main focus anymore like already so like we just should eradicate it and i guess a lot of people just don't like that you know but you know pulls, can, that pulls in a lot of people's strings i can add in i was talking to my friend at work bobby from bulgaria um, that lived in communism, so they 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 did not get rid of religion um, because like 
it was kind of silly to most people. Like, it's like, oh, that's just superstitious stuff. Like, whatever. Nobody cares. So I guess the government didn't view it as a threat. So they're just like, yeah, it's whatever. But then if you look at, like, China, they kind of do feel like like the Uyghurs, for example. That religion and uh, that culture is a threat to um, the common good or whatever, the common goal that they're trying to achieve. So I guess, yeah, it, it depends. Yeah, so, but I mean, that's the idea of communism is like get rid of all that stuff that's kind of like, I guess, sentimental or like I, ideological if you take it to the extreme so that like everyone has their own goal. The ironic part of it is that like, I guess the, the ironic part is, is like the proletarian, you talk, there's kind of a difference in a way between like a proletariat and a laborer. Like they're in the same class, but then he talks about how like the proletariats would like, there'd be like an, it's kind of ironic. There'd be like an organizing group, basically like a pinnacle group. But then he say, says like, <clears throat> the thing is, is that like they don't work for themselves. They just work to like make everyone, like they work towards the um, goal of the people and like, and like the laborer, but like they kind of, I guess in a way like allocate things to get that done because they are supposed to have like a pure vision of what, like what is what the labor class wants. So in a perfect world, that sounds magnificent and that would work awesome. Like that would be perfect. Um, but like, as we've seen in, in attempts for com, you know, a communist state, which again, I would, I would argue and I've heard argued like has never actually been met. It's only been socialism. And so like what we've seen, you know, with like Lenin and, um, Stalin is like they basically had their own agenda and so they just took over and then said they're like, that they're communists but like it didn't work out how it was supposed to because their interests were not the same as the laborer so if indeed there was a leader that came along and said you know what the only my only um, thought is all about these laborers my only drive is for the laborer like then it, it could work I think I don't know so it all comes down to kind of human nature and greed I suppose um, which in a way capitalism has played on that as well in a lot of ways it has played on that and so you know at the end of the day what marx was saying basically is like capitalism bad <laughs> communism good but he was he was trying to like show how you know he it was in a sense he was ahead of his of like his time in the sense that he was like first of all he was predicting what would happen from capitalism which i would argue you could see it's happening in a lot of places um i mean again the labor strike in india it's like that's a form right there like you're seeing farmers uprise as they should to like gain control back of the agricultural landscape they don't want to take gmo seeds and all this stuff which maybe we'll shout out at the end or i don't know if you want to edit something in the beginning we didn't even call out that we got our first comment on this show but um <laughs> whatever <laughs> getting a little sidetracked but anyway so what he's saying is like you know in a way like you know he, he, he kind of knew what people would argue against Cap, uh, communism and he would kept saying like well look at capitalism they've basically done the same thing just done a, in a different fashion and like the difference is like the the people that are truly benefiting from capitalism are like these few people at the like the extreme top and that's getting smaller and smaller and what he's saying is like so like if, if all these rights are already taken away from you but like there's a guise that you have them then like why don't we just try to like have a revolution of laborers gaining control agree to get rid of our liberties and then that way we are like all on the same page that's essentially what this whole thing boils down to um that's obviously that's loaded and it's way more complex than just okay everyone this is what we're doing and then everyone's like yes okay we agree but 
he's he's saying that you know as time goes on the labor class is getting bigger their interests are going to be assimilated and they're essentially going to uprise and he's like kind of saying like it's inevitable um yeah so i don't know i mean that's kind of like a summary of what communism is and what he was trying to say i'm sure i missed you know a few things um but you know it's just like he talks about how the whole world just vanishes into this capitalist like structure and it's doing that today and he's you know and it's all in the name of capitalism and he's saying like but like you're it's kind of like he almost is saying like it's a sneaky way to get rid of people's rights and just keep the powerful powerful and like while this whole system is churning like it kind of extinguishes itself but then like the bourgeoisie has always been like overseeing that so like anytime like capitalism starts to extinguish itself they make another like rule or like they change the landscape in such a way that still keeps them on top if that makes sense so like you know an example would be like we antiquate our technology like we have probably 10 years of like technology like just in reserve they just don't want to roll it out yet because then like there won't be a need for like a better technology yeah so this is my i jotted down a couple things that we can just kind of discuss um so you had he had said that like under capitalism like they're forced to create new markets to keep itself afloat but uh people are finding those markets themselves like it occurs naturally right so it's like even uh, i would argue we're at a point where it doesn't though but, but uh, i mean we're we're like creating a need for like i'm not trying i'm not getting into this conspiracy so, to be like 5g okay like i mean 4g kind of works pretty well i don't know what like anyways we keep going well then yeah so like 5g for example is just we have made our network faster and people have said with their dollars yeah we want that right so the the people that created it found a market now you can put on a conspiracy hat and say they have somehow convinced people that they need it which right. is which is almost so a completely sort of different kind of talk about. so mm. i would argue if i was marx instead i would argue that it's it's only working because all of the people have a consumerist mentality and if that were to ever go away the system would collapse that that would be how i would argue it instead because that's kind of how it is he's kind of saying it it like already has collapsed he's kind of saying because he's like your your rights are like slowly but surely being taken away like your your exchange value that you've been boiled down to is constantly being reduced like he talks about that too like like he says you know like again we're boiled down to an exchange value under capitalism and he talks about like as technology keeps like bubbling and growing like the laborer is constantly like being just antiquated and like and like diminished in that exchange value and like you can see that with you know automation obviously and so what he's saying is like the laborer needs to like rise up and put their interests first rather than capital like rather than like profit profiteering because like he's he's saying like eventually like we're gonna have nothing pretty much and i mean think about it like a million dollar dude even when i was growing up like if you were like a, if you had two million dollars it's like holy crap like that person's super rich today like two million dollars is like not that much money really like especially out on the west coast dude like you can't even buy like 
I mean, you can't you can't buy beachfront property. Yeah, you can buy a house, but like you're gonna. I mean, then you're giving up a ton of that two million dollars just to get a house, and then at the end of the day, like the government basically owns that. And I was gonna say I don't like the eminent domain argument because that's a government issue. That's not. But, a but going issue. back to the whole, uh, see, that's the thing, man. That's where me and you disagree. Like the military-industrial complex has put them. No, to see, but again, yeah, when, but uh, when we're when they're. I like to talk about it on its own merits, not okay. Okay, like, but but that's the thing is like Marx is talking about it in real time and like real life. He's saying like these are the implications that are actually happening as a result of capitalism, and so he's saying like so it's you can't. He's almost saying like he's not really talking theoretically in a lot of ways, and then he's basically saying like the only option for the laborer is like you should uprise, take that command and control back. And like slow down like the profiteering mentality essentially. So here's so, my other thing. What about like uh, you, they basically people have just come down to they are their labor and nothing more. Uh, mm-hmm. What if people are okay with that? And I have noting that like if we went back to where we all had our own means of production like the workers ourselves and we were exchanging the stuff that we made what if there's somebody that sucks at that it says hey i'll just kind of make what you're making can you just pay me you know because there's some people that aren't good there's i have a note that's just writing that the people are so different right in their skills and their abilities and their intelligence like all of this like what if somebody wants that what yeah, I mean that's a fair, that's that's fair. I mean, I think a lot of people do want it, but um I no, I mean I agree. I think a lot of people do want that, but like that skill eventually that they can do is like going to be depleted and then they're going to be screwed. Is like what Marx is saying. So the, like eventually right, anything but, like that is going so it's like I, I But don't they know, would be screwed that? under capitalism because they don't have the skill set to code or whatever the new thing is. But under, if he seized his own means of production, he's gonna fail too because he doesn't. What does he do? He, he his skills suck in general. Like he, it's bad in both scenarios in my head. Well, again, I th- I think, and this is me kind of reading between the lines. He doesn't sp- like say this outright, but it seems like he wants to roll back like that progress of like advanced skills. It seemed like because. He's saying, like, when as all these machines are created, like, it puts people... He's kind of saying, like, I'm, again, I'm paraphrasing, but he's saying, like, as everything is advancing and advancing, like, it puts people out of work because, like, they just become... Their labor becomes useless, and it doesn't put out enough product. So it sounds to me, like, reading between the lines that he's saying, like, instead of having that mentality, we should just, like, be, focus on, like, making sure we're eating and happy. <laughs> like... Yeah, so that's you know I mean? that's that's almost just I mean, like, uh, that's a like a cultural and societal and a mental thing that would have to shift to do that because well, yeah, um, yes, capitalism of- has to have uh, that's kind of what it is. Is it wants to constantly drive um, improvement or advances right, in technology? That's what that, it does. He's saying that's in the interest of the bourgeois, not really the laborer. That's the difference. Like he's saying that like. Yeah, that's what capitalism is, obviously. But like he's saying, like it doesn't really. He's saying, like in doing so, it's constantly pushing the proletariat. It's like lower and lower on the scale of, of like 
of like what they're worth. So again, it's almost like, yeah, okay, people always are going to want advancements, but like now that these few control everything, like, and then there's just the labor class, like everything is done in the interest of the bourgeois, not in the interest of the laborers. So like, I mean, just as an example, I mean, like, I'm pretty sure I could be wrong, but I think like depression and like mental illness is at like an all time high in America, like, and it's constantly growing. Like that to me is an indicator of what Marx was saying. Like people are depressed, like they don't feel valuable anymore. And they're just, and it, it's like kind of done under like a capitalist system. Cause like it's dude, like you see every day, like, oh, there's this new thing. Like this is out, this is new, this is out. Like, it's like, dude, like people can't keep up. And then they're like, holy crap. like. Like, how is all this stuff coming about? And I, like, I'm, like, like, I'm failing to just even, like, uh, like, wake up or on time in the morning or something. You know what I mean? So, he's saying, like, at the end of the day, it's not, like, all of this infrastructure is put in a place and, like, the desire, this, like, hyper need for free exchange of goods is, like, all in the interest of the bourgeoisie. That whole desire and, like, that whole mentality is kind of, like, in a way like structured from the bourgeoisie and just imparted on the laborer and like, yeah, okay. Some people are happy with it, but other people aren't. So like his whole thing is like, and this kind of goes, I'm trying to get to what you were saying about like, uh, like people, you know, wa uh, wanting to like, you know, I guess advance stuff or whatever he's saying. Like if the laborers just kind of got rid of all of that and like got rid of their rights and all this stuff, then like they wouldn't really have that desire, I think is what he's trying to say. And like the mentality would be different. Like he's he's asking for pretty much a paradigm change, like change in like the thought of happiness in a way. And like yeah, so. his, his means of getting there are kind of violent. I'm not gonna lie, but like so well, is capitalism that's yeah. violent. We're bombing people for their stuff. So <laughs> we'll get back to that in a second. Um, so talking to um, Bobby, um, like I think Marx is right in that regard regarding because he he had said like under communism everybody basically had the same stuff there was no like new iPhone to get no new car to get everybody kind of had the same thing so nobody cared about that it was just you know whatever the fun was had by just you know hanging out with people and just doing things you enjoy it wasn't it wasn't driven by stuff materialism which you know that is a bad mentality in my opinion so i and that, i i tend to agree i don't so it, you know it's, it's good to be curious and like interested but like once you monetize it and like and again once one person gains control of like that ip and that that's like that thing then like they essentially just get thrown up to the top and like they can control how easy it is to get that stuff. Sorry, I'm, that was more like esoteric, like theoretical. Go, go ahead. And I, I think... Um, so when you're talking about... It's so weird. It used to be... I, like in Wealth of Nations early on, what he was talking about was, I can make something really well. I'm good at this. I'm going to do that and trade it for somebody else's skills that they're good at and so on and so forth and i think marx would agree that that's fine um it's when like like you so the the landowners for example they're not providing labor they're taking right. they're taking somebody else's labor and selling it to somebody else so they're making money without having to lift a finger and we see that again in like the finance market 
like in the stock market. Like the people that get rich off of this, again, they're not labor's not even a factor anymore. Like mm-hmm. labor's become a commodity. So maybe the the idea of a corporation has is one of the more glaring issues in my opinion is like it's causing the most problem is that corporate right. mentality well, well but that's so like the corporatists are like they are the bourgeois right so um so then we'll roll into this this is this is kind of one of the the most important questions and this is why it's an insane turnoff for most people. How do you take the means of production back without violence? Uh, I mean, that's that's the thing. Is like Marxist idea is like it's it almost seems like violence is inevitable. There's this guy Frederick Engels who like the book is attributed somehow. I don't. He didn't write the Communist Manifesto, but like he worked. He was like friends with Karl Marx for a while. Um, he kind of saw like a different so here's the thing and i don't know much about this to speak on honestly but like there are different like like uh sections of capitalism or communism in a way so same with capitalism like there's different sects to it i guess yeah and this dude angles frederick angles he had a more like peaceful outlook and like method of it but like and that's where him and marx like really differed is marx was a lot more like well no this has to be done through violence kind of is like what he was saying um so i mean to your point i don't i think marx would even say like but there probably isn't a way other than through violence but it's almost like the end result i guess is like better is what he would say i mean i don't know um but he's saying okay so i mean here here's like an idea just of like his idea of like this is on page 25 of the communist manifesto the version i have um he does talk about revolution and he says like we've basically seen like the first steps of revolution by the working class um it, and it that is to like the, raise the proletariat to the position of ruling class and to win the battle of democracy so he's saying like i mean democracy that can be interpreted differently like democracy can be by vote if like the thing is is like if we try not we but <laughs> if the laborers tried <laughs> are you like, proletarian <laughs> <laughs> i mean you are too bro but like if if uh so the thing is, is if the pro if the laborers went said hey we're gonna meet at a table with the bourgeois and they went to the bourgeois and they're like hey we want our rights to be put first do you think the bourgeoisie is gonna say like yeah okay that's fine like they're not so like he's basically saying like there has to be a revolution and they have to win the battle of democracy so like democracy to me means a million different things it could be a vote, but that's not going to work because the bourgeois aren't even going to play that game. You know what I mean? So, like, then what's the next step of democracy? I don't know. It degrades into barbarism and, like, and like mass rule. But, um, but I mean, he has kind of, like, a, I guess, like, steps that he says are, like, you know, like, it's a general guideline. He notes, you know, these measures will, of course, be different in different countries. He says, nevertheless, in the most advanced countries, the following will be pretty generally applicable. Number one, expropriation of property in land and application of all rents of land to public purposes. Step two, a heavy progressive tax. Step three, abolition of all rights of inheritance. Step four, confiscation of the property of all immigrants and rebels. Step five, centralizing of credit in the hands of the state by means of a national bank with state capital and an exclusive monopoly. 
Step six, centralization of transport in the hands of the state. Step seven, extension of factories and instruments of production owned by the state and the bringing into cultivation of wastelands and the improvements of the soil generally in accordance with the common plan. Step eight, equal liability of all to labor, establishment of industrial armies, especially for agriculture. Step nine, combination of agriculture with industry, promotion of the gradual elimination of the con uh, contradictions between town and countryside. And step two, or step 10, and the final step, free education for all children in public schools, abolition of children's factory labor in its present form, combination of education with industrial production, et cetera, et cetera. Um, honestly, when you read that, it's like, I mean, capitalism kind of did some of the same stuff. Um, so there's parallels. And again, I mean, Marx in a way praises capitalists, but then he's saying it's just like, it's just his main crux is like, it's giving too much power to the ownership of, of that capital. Like they have gotten stuff done, but it's like constantly repressing more and more people, and it's causing like more and more crises that are constantly worse and worse. So yeah, I don't know. And then maybe I could go on after he reads off those steps. He says, when in the course of development, class distinctions have disappeared, and all production has been concentrated in the hands of associated individuals. The public power will lose its political character. Political power, uh, properly so-called, is merely the organization, uh, organized power of one class for oppressing another. If the proletariat during its con uh, contest with the bourgeois is compelled by the force of circumstances to organize itself as a class, if by uh, means of revolution it makes itself the ruling class and as such sweeps away by force the old conditions of production, then it will, along with these conditions, have swept away the conditions for the existence of class antagonisms of classes generally, and will thereby have abolished its own supremacy as a class. So, like, his whole thing is, like, we just need to get rid of classes, because that's, that's, like, what causes disputes in the first place. But then, like, so, and also, like, backing up a little bit, he, after he lists off those, um, those steps he does say like in the course of development like if they have to like they should revolt but i don't think that's his first suggestion like he's saying these steps should be taken if they don't agree then revolt and then like once you do that then get rid of classism in general and just be the same class like it sounds it's very utopian and like but like it's kind of like if there's not agreement like he's suggesting like there should be violence to to get it done yeah So what about this for an idea? And I think we had mentioned this on another thing. First off, maybe first question would be, is there any way on earth that people's mentality could ever change from the consumerist mentality that they currently have? Yes, I think so. Okay. So and, it's, it stretches out past the bounds of like possibility, you know, it's like, you can only get by so much and like it's i mean economics 101 there's like infinite wants that's like that's that's known but then there's like limited there's unlimited wants but limited means of getting it so like eventually if like people start seeing all these bourgeois like living this high society life and everyone's poor as hell like they're gonna they're they're gonna be like well it's not even working like like we have all these wants and they're still not being met but then meanwhile, you guys are like up there drinking like 
you know, the finest wine. You guys are like smoking cigars and like not doing anything. And we're making that all possible for you. Like, what the hell are we doing? And then everyone's going to like flip a switch and just charge this, you know, I don't know. So here's how That's you do idea. it. Like you could, you could easily start a, a trend like <laughs> on TikTok or something, you know, people are, people like to follow the crowd anyway. So if you get somebody to start this idea of, it's almost like the, like the minimalist idea is a thing already. Like if yeah. that, if that catches traction, for example, like you don't you don't have to murder the bourgeoisie you can just starve them to death by in our system um just stop buying stuff as simple well, as that that's yeah, the, that's the first step the last yeah. episode it's hard it's super hard but like so here's how you do it like set if you were if i was to do this like for myself i would say okay i, I would do this in chunks uh like maybe every six months or maybe just once a year, pick something that you don't need and eliminate it. Live a year and you'll find that like, hey, you know what? I'm happy without that. Then you pick the next thing, right? And, and you, bo- you boil it down to, you're really just going to come down to like necessities and then like honestly, like music, reading, like the arts. That, I mean, that's, it could almost kind of... be boiled down to like just a cell phone. <laughs> Yeah, like once you have a cell phone, you have music, you can watch stuff, like you can talk to people, you can navigate. So what's that? And then, like, what can the the bourgeoisie do? Right, they can't make you buy anything unless they go like completely nuts and like get the government to like mandate all these things that you have to have. But but so like so yeah right. But so. I mean, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about in our last episode is like, and Marx kind of hints at this is like, um, capitalism's like set the rules. So like, yeah, they're not directly saying like you need to buy this stuff, but like, again, you need that exchange value to have an exchange value. You have to have a job. Your, that job is automatically producing stuff for that company. Like, and then on top of that, like, yeah, okay, there could be a surplus, but like in general, okay, like then they're working all these jobs to make, again, like empower the, the bourgeois. And then in doing so, like they need a place to stay that's like either close by or like not that bad of a commute. Okay, well, that bad of a commute, that differs. In California, not that bad of a commute is like 30 minutes. So, okay, well, you're going to need a car. Okay, once you get the car, if you don't have a job already, then like you don't have, like there, there, there are things put in place. I feel like there's like rules that are set that already kind of make it not necessity, but it just make like it makes it almost it makes it really damn hard to like not live by a capitalist like rule book. You know what I mean? And Marx is arguing that like those rules are put in place by the bourgeois so that it keeps them on top essentially. And I, in many ways, like that is done. Like you, it's pretty transparent if you ask me. I mean, again, like you need loans to get products. Okay, like okay, now I got a loan because I'm I have a car to travel. Well, like. I need a job. Okay, I'll go work for this company that's making stuff. Like, you're automatically in the system just right then and there. So, uh, he, he, you know, I don't know. And again, you know, Marx even praises capitalism away. He says, like, it's it has created, you know, communication and transportation. But he's saying, like, now we should utilize that as laborers. And, like, we gain the means of production. Okay, like, then I guess what, the next question is, what is the means of production? I don't really have that fleshed out. And I don't know if he does in, like, another right, like, 
you know, thing that he wrote, but I would say it's probably food and, you know, just being able to eat and have like shelter, I guess. Yeah. So I think maybe step two of my solution (laughs) would be, and again, this is a trend and a lot of these are already trends that just need to pick up. It's like shop local at people that you know are the sole owners of their business. They own their own labor. So go exchange your labor for their labor. And then mm-hmm. once once you do that enough, you will be able to then you you have to start your own business and sell your labor. You have to find something and it's it's a different mindset when it's when you're not thinking when you're thinking capitalistically, it's like you're trying to compete with all these things and all these people all at once for making things that like it falls under the category of things people don't need right like so so can i I stop you there for a sec because marx has a comment about that he talks about how capitalist society has turned workers kind of against each other because they have to compete and he's he's basically saying like the whole mentality of like well if i quit like the boss could say like if you quit there's five other people who have an application in so it's like he also talks about like that's even another way that capitalism and like the bourgeois have divided the labor force or like tried to is by like making them compete amongst themselves but keep going yeah um so um yeah sorry, you're I, saying I, like I, then someone has sorry I, I really cut you off you're talking yeah. about how like you have to go to someone like buy buy local and then like you'll have to make a business for like to trade something for that local supplier yeah, so and you'll find when you go to start your own thing that if you're not trying to sell like these things you don't need, if you're not as trying to be podcast stars or you're not trying to be uh, you know a YouTuber or something like that, that's non necessity. Um, it's a lot easier to sell things people need. Like you don't have to compete with people. Like uh, whatever it is, like just. You could. I'm trying to think of examples. Like, if you're just a handyman, you could just go and like help fix people's houses when things break that they don't know how to fix. Like, that's a great example. That's easy to do. That like, there's plenty of work to go around for plenty of people. You don't have to compete. There's like that odd jobs, uh, food, obviously. Um, I mean, that's yeah. like the that's like the bulk of it. And entertainment, like really. So maybe I don't know you. YouTube is bad, but like just being a musician in your town that plays at the local pub or whatever. A couple yeah, times a week, ways you know. To scale back, and like the thing is, is if um, and if you're not trying to buy a million different things, you can get by on doing that, and you'll be happier for it. Which is the right the the thing that's so like, hard to you convince can people. See, like the fruit of your own labor, like that came from your hands or that came from your mouth or whatever it is, and like. I don't know why I said mouth, but like, you know what I mean? Like you see like the fruits of your own labor and, and that's kind of, I feel like it, I mean, I don't know, man, in a lot of ways, Marx is right. Like we have kind of been stripped of that, like pride in our work and, and like, you know what I mean? I, I don't know. Not everyone obviously, but, but a lot of people I think. And, um, you know, he talks about just, you know, like the end goal is basically just for like the labor class to form together and like meet their immediate needs is what he says. So like whatever the immediate need is, like go fulfill it, but like work together kind of is what he's saying. And I mean, again, you know, in a lot of ways, capitalism is, we do that too, but 
he would argue it's all benefiting the bourgeois at the end of the day. So, and like, you don't. The workers do not need to rise up and overthrow their <laughs> their subjugators. They just need to leave. There's so much of us that we could we could all start our own businesses and take back our labor ourselves right now if we wanted to if we all did it together that's kind of the tricky part right i mean not right now because a lot of businesses aren't even allowed to be open (laughs) (laughs) don't even get me started but yeah well i mean there you go man that's in a capitalist society that that's being literally whatever well that's again government and then i know you'll say industrial complex but (laughs) it's true man like you really can't separate the two at this point and I mean, even under the communist explanation, like he kind of, he acknowledges like you can't really separate like, uh, you know, like the labor from like, in, like some governing group, like he mentions that, but our, our government's just so like, like, again, what he was saying, like they have their own interests, like they're trying to stay bourgeois. And like, if there comes a time when politi- when businesses don't need politicians, politicians will become proletariats and then... Like, then we'll definitely see what Marx was talking about, dude. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, as it stands now, it does not look hopeful, in my opinion. What? Everybody what is obsessed like? with materialism oh, still. Old. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean... Yeah. <laughs> dude, honestly, yeah, man. Some things that, pe- that I know that people buy, I'm like, why, like, why did you get that? Like... I don't know. I can't think of an example, but like, or like just products that people use. I'm like, why are you like, okay, I don't know. This might be unpopular, but like, like girls getting their nails done. It's like, why did you do that? Like, why did you just get your nails done? What was the need for that? They're like, it almost all comes down to like pride and status and narcissism and a lot of uh, bourgeois, bro. (laughs) So everybody needs to stop trying to be bougie. And be prody. I don't know. <laughs> That's not as cool. <laughs> be a prolet. Prolet. Um, we all are proletarians, bro. <laughs> That's a sad thing, dude. Like we're already, we're all in the same boat, man, and we're all suffering just as much. You know, obviously some less than others, I guess, but we're all in the same boat, man. And whatever. In so, a lot of ways, man, Karl Marx is kind of saying, I think what a lot of people are thinking. Yeah, but they don't want to do anything about it. I don't know. So my my f- final stance is like with the current mindset of the average American, no chance. Um, and I don't. I am not an advocate for violence. So neither am I. For that reason, I'm out. <laughs> but like I said, there are steps we can take to improve things. Um, so so to that point where you're. Sorry, go ahead. I, I always uh, cut you off, man. I'm just saying, yeah. There's, there's things we can do in our lives to starve the beast, um, take care of ourselves, and find true happiness in not material things. That's the you only know, place one, you're going to find it. One step towards that is like, and this is kind of like an idea that a lot of, I don't, I really don't know where you stand on this, but like, you know, there's like, it's the idea of like Medicare for all. Like, that's a right that, you know, in a, in a, some people would say it's a right like that has been taken away from us in this like bourgeois society like so like that's tied to your labor that's tied to your exchange value you don't get medical unless you have a job so like that right there is like kind of a testament of what marx was saying he's like dude 
like, you know, like that is a rule that was put in place by the bourgeois. Like, why shouldn't we be able to get health care? And then they have all these excuses like, well, it wouldn't work. It, it would never work. And like you see, like there's a big push for medical care for all now. But like even progressives are like not really about it. So I don't know what that says, but it's like it, I think it kind of sheds light on the whole idea of, a, of the bourgeois class just like grabbing what, what they want. I don't know. Um, the progressive class is not even progressive, bro. They're idiots. Sorry, but we can discuss that. After this, I wanted to go over a few more um, uh, of yeah, my I'm discussion sorry. with I, Bobby. I didn't, mean it. I didn't mean, and I don't mean people with progressive ideals. I mean the ones that are actually the progressives in office. They're not doing much, but anyways. Um. So, from what he, this is just like his honest opinion of like communism and whatnot and stuff. Um. And he he would say like, you know, it, most people were happy with it at the time when everything was running smoothly. Um. You just kind of did your work, whatever you were assigned to do or wanted to do, it's kind of whatever. And then everybody kind of had the same stuff, so you weren't trying to go out and get more stuff. And everybody would just hang out and have a good time um, spending time with each other and pursuing hobbies that they could do. Um, and then uh, it was all good until, um, and this is one of the problems with large-scale communism on an economics from an economic standpoint is that uh-huh. eventually you're going to run out of money because it's you can't manage an economy yourself i mean unless we've got like the smartest people in the world constantly like it's it's so hard to maintain and but we had discussed you know Nations that have an unlimited amount of natural resources, like Saudi Arabia with their oil, for example, could probably swing it because they have enough wealth within their country themselves to uphold, to make up for the mm-hmm. the the shortcomings, which is just right. not being smart enough. Yeah, I mean, their prince like administers money to his citizens like all the time, like every year, I think. But yeah, but yeah, so not people not being smart enough to. Because honestly, no person is smart enough to manage all the markets and all the prices and all the production, all that. There's no way. Like, it's just not right. feasible. Um, small scale, sure. But, like, uh, the bigger you get, the harder it becomes. Um, and he, uh, Bobby had talked about uh, the mindset of the people, too, that uh, the, the, the OGs of Bulgarian communism all had the same mentality of, like, they had national pride and they had pride in their work and they wanted, they were all working towards the same goal, which is kind of like the idea of, of communism. And it worked like for the most part, like they're all chasing a goal. They're all satisfied with their work because they're helping the cause. But then, and he kind of seems to think, and I kind of suggested that was it the next generation that came in when things started to decline, right? So the, the kids of these parents are probably not going to share the same, um, drive that their parents did because their parents feel like they built the system and they were supporting it. But then the kids that, that come in, the younger kids are just like, ah, it's whatever. And he said that mm-hmm. then people started to realize that you could get away with doing barely anything like work-wise. So essentially people started to kind of not take pride in their work and get kind of lazy. And that's another contributing factor to like you can't sustain an economy if everybody's looking to do as little as possible so the change in mentality is not good um no that's interesting um and yeah no i mean that's definitely like realistic 
So, again, going back to the Communist Manifesto, he does talk about how um, it's hard, like, he doesn't say it outright, but it's basically, he would suggest, like, it's hard to survive as a communist country, like, alone, like, standalone, because there's a free, there's a free market that's, like, run by capitalism that, like, piques others' interests, you know? And so, he's saying, like, yeah, okay, like, that kind of puts them back. So he would he, his suggestion is that like every country should become communist so that they do share the same like idea. So again, what does that mean? Like go to war with other countries? I don't know, but what what he's saying essentially is like, yeah, we need to get rid of individual nationalities. Like that's another thing he talks about so that there's only one nationality and then that like quashes itself essentially. So that there's only one nationality and that everyone does share the same goal instead of like you know, you can see where, like, if there's a communist country and there's capitalists, especially with, like, the picture that's painted on communism from a capitalist point of view, like, it'd be hard for them to get stuff from a capitalist society because they're either like, well, we already have that in a free market or they're like, yeah, we don't want to support you in general. Like, yeah, it's going to make it hard for them to get what they need. So, like, Marx would probably suggest, like, yeah, that's why the whole world should be communism. Like, he, he says that basically. So that it is one shared interest, but like obviously, like back to your point, okay, that's way easier said than done. How do you flip this switch to like make everyone be on the same page? Is it? It, does, it doesn't just flesh out easily. Yeah, I mean that's <laughs> that's the problem. Um, and, and he mentioned something that uh, he said it's very important. It depends on who the leader is. Um, how it works out yeah so he said in bulgaria when he was a kid like the leader was like fun going it was kind of goofy everybody liked him um and it was great and most people view communism favorably when you talk to old people in bulgaria but then he said if you go over to romania where they had a maniac that was was in charge they 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 are trying to get out as fast as possible so he said the leader and who's in charge is extremely important oh Um, for sure and that's the biggest crux of it all is like it needs to be in the interest of the laborer and like not their own gain and that's the that's kind of the thing so um i guess to summarize to me like uh, there's like three components to having it run successfully and that's having enough economic resources to sustain and make up for some inefficiencies you have to have a good leader and everybody has to be of like one mind and want to do the best they can for everybody essentially and if you don't have all three it doesn't work if you're missing one of those components it's gonna collapse real quick and then, and I was talking to him, like, even if you had those perfect three, how long could you possibly keep that? How, like, how would it last? Yeah. So, yeah. like, the resources, that's probably the most stable if you were able to manage that. But the leader, you just never know. Like, eventually, someone not good is going to get in there. And then, right. so, how do you how do you keep... Uh, people motivated and i had asked him i'm like did the government do anything to kind of motivate people when production started a slump because people just didn't want to try anymore and he's like there wasn't much they could do he's like yeah there was like some propaganda and stuff to try and you know boost people up and he said there's also kind of like financial incentives but because everybody has the same thing and there's nothing new to buy that's not a good incentive so i mean (laughs) yeah i mean so to your point like um 
I would say yes. I, I will we ever see communism come to fruition? I don't. I don't think it's impossible. I, I'm not saying the means to get there would even be like good, but I'm saying like, it, I think it's a possibility. Okay, like just for stars, like it could happen. I mean, crazier things have happened. So that being said, though, yeah, I mean, if you don't like to your point, if you don't have all three of those, like it does crumble, and we've seen that a lot. But I would say that like the Communist Manifesto's commentary on capitalism is like on point. That's that's the thing that like really stuck with me with this book. Like, I will I will admit like I will say like Karl Marx didn't really have like his ideas of like how to get there and how to sustain a like a communist society. Like they weren't all there really. Like it's a, again it's like less than fifty pages. But like his commentary and critique on capitalism is like very uh, acute, I think. And it's like it seems like it, it's generational. It does it's not just for his time and time and place, uh, like his period of time. Like it, it's like lasted to what what we have today like and, and him saying like it's only it gets worse and worse as more and more crises emerge from capitalism like that seems to be real as well so i don't know um you know will we ever get to a communist you know point of view like that's very utopian i i, I doubt it um but like are there things that we can take from communism that are like good mindsets and like probably for the better of humanity i think so uh I don't know. There's definitely a class class struggle between, you know, bourgeois and the proletariat. Maybe it's oversimplified with just those two classes, but I think I think his point still stands and I don't even know that it's really overly simplified. I think maybe like boiling it down to two classes is pretty accurate, so um, and I would yeah. say hey, there is a in the market of ideas we're still looking for like that perfect system. So uh, anybody, you know, <laughs> if you've got that solution, dybpodcast at gmail.com, tell us how to save everything. Because that's the thing. We get stuck in this this binary, or I guess it's trinary <laughs> decision. Like it's, it's either capitalism, communism, or socialism. Take your pick. When it's like, no, let's make a new one. Because that's what Marx did at the time. He came up with his own idea. Yeah. yeah and it, yeah, it wasn't did. perfect. Yeah. And that's fine. And I think we need to um, propose new ideas, but we also have to um, weigh the consequences of everything. And at least Marx was upfront about, like, yeah, yeah you, you kind of got to do violence to, to, to achieve it. At least he was honest about it. So, um, yeah, I working men of all countries unite. So, yeah, that's the. Uh, you do you do the outro, and then we can talk about uh, Medicare. I don't know, man. As 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 Marx once said, "Working men of all countries unite." <laughs> and I'm out. <laughs> all right. So I don't know. I might chop in the the outro, and then this will be after the outro. I don't know. In case I don't know. We just rambled yeah, after the China I one, so. I forgot to bring up. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I forgot to bring up the comment, man. Uh, if this part it makes it into the, how should we just address that? Officially? No, you keep going. Oh, the guy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Aqua, if you're listening, I mean, 250 million people were on strike. I, it's in the news. I don't. Unless, so, yeah, unless so, you're like misreading us or something, maybe we said something. Maybe we said like 250 million farmers were on strike, and that's not right. I mean, maybe, but I mean, sorry, dude. Right, we're, we're, so we're idiots. Guy, maybe so it makes sense <laughs> to the audience. We had our first comment, kind of excited about that, but it was a negative, very sad comment. <laughs> not very, not not 
not very sad. We all have room to grow. So we'll yeah, therefore take, you know, the podcast is done. We're never doing this again. Goodbye. Yeah, <laughs> but we took into consideration what our commenter said. Aqua shout out, you know, and seemed to think that we were inaccurate with our news. Um, I think we've made disclaimers like we're not professionals. We do this kind of like we research in like a week a topic and then we discuss it. Um, but I did go back and, and, and fact check myself, Aqua, if you're listening, and it. That's it is accurate. It was 250 million strike strikers uh, during a general strike in in India. So I don't know what you're talking about. It's it's like you know it's almost the whole American you know U.S. country and and then you also mentioned GMOs weren't a thing, but they are. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, I digress. We we do appreciate the feedback though. I'm stoked we got a comment. Yes, and you're the first. Congratulations. <laughs> I don't have any of those Burger King coupons laying around anymore, so. I think I have Carl's Jr. Ooh, so yeah, we'll have to know if you're uh, where you're at. So uh, send us your address. No, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> no, kidding. Don't no. do that. <laughs> Please don't. But yeah. All right. So I guess me and Max are gonna talk about Medicare for All real quick. Uh, what do you mean by that? What is Medicare for All? Let's define our pair. terms. I, I guess I guess single payer. I guess like we uh, uh, single payer for this man i don't know dude i don't know enough about it but what i'm trying to say is you know like there should be a system in place where everyone has access to like medicare for pretty cheap like for like i'm talking like even like heart attacks stuff like that like we have so much money that goes to other things that are allocated differently in our country and it's like why aren't we putting like people's health above some of that stuff and so i guess like what I'm trying to say is like Medicare for all. Yeah. Okay. Very broad. And I'm not, I'm not, I don't know the legislation very well, but what I was trying to say before is like, there's a, there's a big movement to get Medicare for all, like put at least like on paper, like in front of, I guess, like would it be Congress. So it would be government would pays be- for it all. Is that or government yeah, subsidizes or no, I think it'd be, I think it should be like government paid, like through, through taxes, like ta- like our tax money, goes into like it already goes into a bucket for like social security which we're not getting benefits from so like what i'm thinking is like we just need to move our taxpayer money away from like military shit and like allocate it more towards like health like we have a ton of money we have a lot of doctors like just have have like medicare way more accessible dude like people get bills for ten thousand dollars that they're like spend the rest of their more than that that they spend the rest of their life paying off it's like and then like during like this pandemic like people like hospital beds are like increasingly limited if, if there are any at all and like some people can't like they can't pay for that or they don't have access to like get care and it's just like like because it's tied to their you know a lot of times it's tied to their uh their work and then and, you know in the same time during this pandemic everyone's losing their jobs so it's like why I, I don't know there's a way to do it i'm not I, I don't know how to flesh the details out right now i haven't looked at it all but like dude we have so much money or claim to have so much money and we have so much defense that we build up like why can't that be reallocated and like help the population out that's like already paying for that stuff in the first place i think the main uh i think the the there's a few issues they have to work out if this is even going to come on the table one is okay can we actually afford to do that like i know somebody needs somebody needs to bring in some some All actual numbers do it that's the thing that's crazy to me is like and yeah i've heard like there's horror stories but I, there's also like there's also horror stories here i'm sure like pe- there's a lot of ton- people can't even like imagine getting health care out here sometimes so it's like 
I don't know, man. Other countries are doing it. There are models out there. It's not like we'd be starting from scratch. I think, again, if we find the good and bad and all the ones that are pre like that are existing right now, like do a little mix of them. And I, I don't. It's like it's just. It seems to me like every time it's proposed, the answer is like it's impossible. We can't do it. Like why can't we do it? There hasn't even been a good explanation of that. I would say it's not impossible. I think people aren't willing to put the effort into. Uh, thinking <laughs> is part of the problem. Okay, that's what politicians are supposed to be for. Okay, though. well they're like, not good that's, at that. That's what I'm trying to say. That's what, <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say though. Like there's like there's like people that run on this docket of Medicare for all, then they get in there and they're like, yeah, it's impossible to do. It's like no, well, then why did we put you in office in the first place? What the hell? Like, like if you're just gonna like bend over as soon as you get there, why did you run on that ticket? Like, I mean, maybe they I, walk I, in and they get it informed, <laughs> and they're just like. Oh. What does that? Mean? I'm sorry, but what does that mean, man? Like, what I'm trying to tell you is, like, there are other countries that do it already, and we're like making we're we're spending hand over fist on military shit. Like, why not just reallocate those billions of dollars into the medical industry? Like, the pharmaceutical industries they make so much money. Why don't we tax them more or something? Like, like, like that. There is a I don't know. I'm getting. I'm, I, I, there's a way to do it. I'm not saying I have it all fleshed out, but like, dude. Yeah, well, that's the thing. No, uh, well, this almost brings in the uh, um, like progressive versus conservative mindset. Like, and I feel like that's the issue is that you could be like, all right, let's just kind of do what uh, they're doing over there. Throw it in, and then we'll fix the the shit as it hits the fan. You know, versus let's sit and think about it. One lends itself to okay, we may never get this done, and one tends to be uh we just break everything but like i what i'm trying to say is like i don't have the the details fleshed out but i'm sure there are some i'm sure there are people out there that have proposed it like in-depth analysis probably like I, I i'm not saying that it hasn't happened i'm just saying it gets rejected all the time and i think the reason like i'm sure dude someone has probably posted like to the government like here this is like an in-depth analysis like i have all the money figures like lined up like this is this is how it will work like this will work and it'll last for, you probably even project out, like it'll last for like X amount of years. I'm sure someone's brought that to the table and they pro- they're just like, yeah, no, we're not going to do it. Like, we don't want to look at it. That's what it seems to be like, like in the first place is like, they're not even giving these models a chance. They're just like, nah, we don't want to do it. We have to keep b- building bombs with that money. It's right. Like, and then the people in Washington are bought off by interest. So, I mean, that's kind of, uh, I don't. I don't think it's going to go anywhere. <laughs> Ever. Yeah, so, so that's why the labor should rise up, dude. I'm like, it's all against our interests. That's what it's like exactly what Marx was saying. That's the crazy thing about it. Like a lot of those decisions are not in our interests. They're like elsewhere those interests are. Maybe at the end of the day you could say, "Well, it's defense, so that isn't our interest." At the end of the day, but like, okay, we got ourselves into a lot of those wars. Like, we wouldn't have to defend ourselves in the first place, and we did that in the first place in the name of capitalism. So, it's all circular, circulatory, you know. I don't know. Yeah. But also, That's all I've got to say, I don't have like the details fleshed out. But like, why is this impossible to, to manage? It doesn't seem like it's very hard. Oh, I'm under the impression that it's very hard because. It's got to because there's so many there's so many questions like when I try and think about how would this work. First question is like, how much does this cost really to maintain our current like quality of health care? Is that number feasible with some sort of reallocation from somewhere else? Is that doable? Um, 
I don't know the answer. Uh, I like to think it's probably pretty expensive. Um, and then the next answer is, okay, if it is too expensive. You make so much money off the medicine today anyways, though. It's like, hell. So it's then the next question is, how do you, if it's too expensive, um, how low are we willing to go and still be like, okay, this is still an acceptable quality healthcare, right? Because you could you could bring it way down, and then it's. I, I get it. I get what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, but then again, the, like, and then you have to bring in the 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 tax side of it, which complicates it even more. But that's the whole point is like the tax, I think if you tax differently or like reallocate that tax money differently, it solves all those problems that you just asked. Like how, how expensive is it? How do we like keep this afloat? Like nah. we have, there's so, bro, there's so much tax dollars out there. Like just reallocate. That's what I'm saying. It's like just being mismanaged. Yeah. Well, there, there's the key. It's mismanaged because government's not accountable to anybody. And this is the biggest argument for like straight up privatized healthcare is the the government programs they don't have to answer to the customer or anybody like the people maybe what are they gonna do get mad they'll just get distracted by the next uh, episode of whatever Tiger King or whatever people are watching like <laughs> they don't care right so at least if you privatized it there is the motivation that they want to get customers and they want to make money so but I mean again that's the again it's coming down this coming back to like what Marx was saying how like we're in that situation in the first place because like the labor has lost the, the con like the control of that power in the first place. Like that whole situation you explained is like sprouted from capitalist like democracy. It's like, okay, well we can't do that because politicians aren't like held behests anyway. Okay. Well, why is it like that in the first place is because laborers are like not at that point of power, even though they make up the gen, like the mass amount of population. And like we're giving them so much money, like they should be doing that. And that's like the whole point of what Marx was saying is like that they're they're technically, I guess, part of the bourgeois politicians are, and so like they're doing everything against our own interests. It's not for the betterment of us. And like, why the hell is this like constantly happening? Like, why why are we not doing anything about it? But then the government's doing nothing. They're doing business in nobody's interest. They just don't care because why should they? So. <laughs> It seems to be a lose-lose. And it uh, honestly, like from what I can see, the way we, everything is set up now, it's you pick the lesser of two evils. You can, you can like, there's flaws in both systems. We need a new party, man. There needs to just be a completely new party. There's other countries that have over 10 parties, man. It's like, that makes way more sense. That That's like closer to like a laborer getting their voice heard. You know what I mean? Like that, and honestly, like I agree with Marx in the sense that like laborers should be having more control. Like we are the ones who are churning things out. Yeah, like it's not that simple, but at the end of the day, like we're the ones putting in the hours and like helping, like keep everything afloat. And then like we don't get anything, and we get stuff in return, but not 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 enough to like, I feel like appease us, or it shouldn't be enough to appease us. We should demand more in a way. And like Medicare for all is like one way that I think we should be demanding it. Like it's just it. Uh, I don't know. There's people dying all the time, man, just because they can't, they have like no imagination of being able to access this stuff. So, like, okay, it's there, but who's it there for? The medical system in America is great. Yeah, but like, who gets that? Not, not the general population. So, there's a weird thing. The, the medical field, again, it's kind of paired with capitalism, is the idea of just constant improvement and stuff. That's going to naturally drive up cost of stuff. If you want to. Like yeah, so I mean, it, it, 
You could. I feel like you could maybe bring in Medicare for all if you just quit with that. <laughs> but then people have to be okay with like, this is our medical technology and this is what we can do. Here you go. Yeah, I mean, the, the weird thing with that is like, even after putting, I probably, I don't know the number, but probably billions into certain research, like Alzheimer's, cancer, and stuff like that, there's still no solution. <laughs> so it's like, I mean, that to me shows like the capitalist me- method of developing medicine isn't really working that well. And I don't know enough about the medical field, but like how much of the medicine that we have access to was actually like invented in America. I don't know the answer. It could be most of it, but I'm saying like it might not be. I don't know. So yeah, R&D is weird because again, they don't really have to answer to anybody. Everybody throws their money at like American Cancer Society or whatever, but like (laughs) who follows up on that, you know? It's like, I gave you $50 five years ago what have you done with my $50? You know, it's just no tracking. So, of it, so yeah. they're not accountable. So that, that, again, yeah, that's a problem. Um, but like, it, if you the look at it this way, is if the labor force is the one that is like holding it accountable, cause then it's in their best interest. That's the thing. Like if you went a more like communist type route where it's, there's not a lot of innovation because um, the idea is that you don't need to like, just be happy with the, what you have. Um, Let's say, like, um, so-and-so has cancer, they would have died of cancer. But now they have the option. You can die of cancer or you can spend an insane amount of money and go into debt to live longer. So, I mean, it's, I don't know, it's weird. Which, again, it shouldn't shouldn't come down to that, but... Because then they have to get, get passed on to the family once they die if they don't pay off their, all their debt after the procedure. Then it goes to the family, like, and that I feel like that is a more common thing than not. Like, I'm sorry to say, but like, and that's the thing is like, it's more common that people just don't end up paying their bills off and they like bank get bankrupt or they like um, have to default on their home or whatever it is. Like, they just keep losing more and more like of their of like what they're working for while like the companies are making a ton of money and then like it trickles up to a few people and you know the board members or whatever and then politicians so and that's all i'm saying like i'm not you know i don't even know really what i, I don't think we're arguing but i'm just saying like the, the the options that it comes down to anyways are all are still like not ideal so like shouldn't we change something up it, it seems like whatever's going on now like isn't working okay like we're in a capitalist structure there's all but this money it just for R&D. Seems like, we have all these problems still like yeah it seems like people want everything and you can't have everything okay so then there has to be there's give and take so you gotta you gotta decide what's more important to you so is it more important and it depends on what the, the citizenry thinks you know is it more important that you get for example, your own private hospital bed and service? Or is it more important you to get it cheaper? So, like Bobby talked, he had talked a little bit about like healthcare there. And it's when you go in, it's like it's a room and there's just like little dividing like but, but bed we sheets hanging. We have it, so much money. Like, we can, that's what I'm trying to say is like our taxes could float the same like lavish hospital setting that we have like if it was just reallocated like we could still have that like the nice like a good hospital i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off but like i feel like my point is like it is possible to keep it 
how it is, it maybe even like probably even improve it a little bit, but like it just needs reallocation of our tax dollars. That's the problem. Like, it, why is it going to war when most people don't want to be in war? Like, why is it not going to Medicare when most people most people want free Medicare? Like, and they want it at a good level. Like, we could do we could do it. I think. But anyway, sorry, I, I really didn't mean to cut you off, but it's just like I had to say that. I don't think it's America's as rich as you think. <laughs> We talk about how we're rich, bro. We got one dude worth $128 billion, probably more than that at this point. It's probably at $200 billion. Like, what, what do you, like, that's more than, like, the rest of the world has, pretty much. And I'm, I'm saying that hyperbolically, but, like, you get what I'm saying. Like, that's more than a bunch of countries combined. So, like, yeah, we do have a lot of wealth, but it doesn't, it just stays up there. That's the problem. It doesn't move. It doesn't trickle down. That does not happen. And I think it should happen. Like, I, I don't, under, I don't care, like, if it was his job that got him there like okay he sh- maybe he should be a little bit higher but like why do we allow someone to have 128 billion dollars that doesn't make any sense like they can crash our economy at the flick of a finger if they just don't if they decide they don't like this country anymore because we like, all have amazon prime accounts <laughs> I, don't, I hardly ever buy off that honestly i'm only maybe working like one thing dude i bet he loves covid <laughs> Yeah, man, and then I'm telling yeah. you, he got from that from that CARES Act. He got I don't know if he got money from it. He probably did, but transferred up like four trillion or five trillion dollars upward, and then like gave us like six hundred bucks like for two months. <laughs> I don't remember what it was, but the hell. Yeah. Plus, we just print more money, dude. We've already seen it doesn't do shit, so that <laughs> <laughs> drives me nuts. But yeah, that's it. We really have no idea what we're talking about when it comes to healthcare because it's, <laughs> I mean, like, I don't fucking know. I don't know how much it costs, uh, you know. There's just so many things to it. Oh, and then I had, like, if healthcare is free, then, like, you cough funny, you go to the doctor, right? So that's obviously going to... Either you have to teach the populace, don't go to the hospital unless you're sure you're dying because <laughs> we can't... We don't have the room for everybody. I got the um, sniffles, okay. Uh, or you just crank more money. You just got to pump more money into it. And then the, where's the money come from? It comes from the rich, okay? How are the rich? The rich aren't going to take it stand, sitting down, so they're going to make find ways to make their money back. So you tax Bezos And they go over to their politician and say, hey, what can you do to give me my money back? They'll, they'll do that. And then, I, I don't know, it just... They're like, uh, remember I gave you a million dollars for your campaign? Bro, that's the worst part. Oh, man. We do a whole other segment with this stuff, but... And I feel like... You know who suffers the worst from all of this? The middle class. Whatever's left of it. (laughs) Like... Yeah, that's... Well, and that's the thing, man, is it's slowly disappearing. That's, again, going back to what Marx was saying. Like, more and more he was predicting, like, proletariat numbers are going to grow as, like, more and more people who were aristocrats at one point, like, they become antiquated and, like then they get pushed into the poor class and like it's just going to constantly divide and then the bourgeois is just like going to be a small small group and it's like crazy because you see signs of it everywhere like going back to my point before that i said probably in multiple episodes like every industry pretty much trickles down to like four major companies if that it might only be three and then they might even own like part of the other one or whatever so it's like we're already at a point where like what marx was saying is basically it's, it's here i don't know but anyways, I don't know. All right, we'll land the plane. I think we're running out of steam. So, yeah. Uh, leave <laughs> us comments if you want. Um, 
and dybpodcast at gmail.com. Maybe so. We had tossed what are some ideas we've thrown out to each other? We were going to talk, about, <laughs> we were looking at um, looking at old fairy tales and how disturbing they are. Um, I had written down werewolves and vampires at some point just to I've never actually looked into the history of that just to, to get it would be interesting. Um, what else have we we've thrown a few ideas out. Um, let me see. Let me I've got the wealth of nations uh, kind of dry, but if people are into it, I'll do it. Um, I mean, this whole communism one is kind of dry too, in a way. But <laughs> I want to cover a lot of different political systems, even like maybe like as like those communist sects that I was talking about, like different ones. There's like a French version of communism, like German version, and like different versions. Um, Sorry, keep going. Oh, yeah. I was reading something. There's anarcho-capitalism, which is like there's no government involved in any of it, which I wonder. I don't know how that would all work out, but um, there's some funny ideas out there. Um, what else? I don't know. I do like a fairy tale idea, though. We could do like a mini series of that, like for the weekday episodes. I don't know. Yeah. You know, if you guys know any fairy tales. Let us know. I'll have a couple from Bobby at work. He was he was talking to me about this today. Just some of the Bulgarian ones are scary. Um, I had done an episode on the Baba Yaga, which is a um, Eastern Europe scary story about it's like a witch that lives in a hut that walks around on chicken legs or something, and it like kidnaps people, kidnaps bad kids or something. So, heck yeah, dude. <laughs> Krampus. Like Krampus. Yep, Krampus. He always talks about Krampus too. So, but yeah. Why didn't we learn about that growing up? I don't think that was really. Uh... Yeah, I know. I don't know. We just got threatened with lumps of coal. <laughs> Actually, we probably should do Krampus soon since it's Christmas time. <laughs> we do need to do a Christmas episode, man. All right, so we'll we'll put that in it works. If there's something we mentioned here you really want, let us know. It could literally just be one of you saying, hey, I kind of like that idea. And then we'll do it because nobody ever talks to us. <sighs> it's okay. At least we got listeners, dude. But yeah, tell your friends. That's all I got. Bye, guys. Peace out, brothers.